Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. A series of unfortunate events, the Oster Academy, chapter eight. And there's a picture that looks like little Sunny Baudelaire is sleeping in a bed of salad. Are they gonna eat her? My gosh, look. She looks like she's sleeping in a little salad plate. Interesting, this looks fishy. What, Isadora asked. I said, Finally, as the sun rose, Coach Gingis had a stop running lapse and let us go to bed, Klaus said. My sister didn't mean that she didn't hear you, Duncan explained. She meant that she heard you, but she didn't believe that that's really what you meant. And to tell you the truth, I can scarcely believe it myself. Even though I saw it with my own eyes, I can't believe it either, Violet said, wincing as she took another bite of the salad that that the masked people had served for lunch. It was the next afternoon, and all three Baudelaire orphans were doing a great deal of wincing, a word here which means frowning in pain, alarm, and distress. When Coach Genghis had called last night's activities SOAR, S-O-R-E, he merely meant that the acronym for Special Orphan Running Exercises, but the three children thought that that same name, SOAR, was even more appropriate than after a full night of s-o-r-e sore that they had been sore all day their legs were sore from their running when they finally entered the orphan shack to go to sleep they had been too tired to put on their noisy shoes so that their toes were sore from the claws of the tiny terrestrial crabs and their heads were sore not only from the headaches which often occurred as they don't get enough sleep but from trying to figure out which coach what coach Gingis was up to to make them run all those laps the Baudelaire legs were sore and the Baudelaire toes were sore and the Baudelaire heads were sore and soon the muscles on the sides of the Baudelaire mouths would be sore from wincing all day long I wonder if he's trying to make them too tired to run away from something It was lunchtime and the three children were trying to discuss the previous evening with the quagmire triplets who weren't very sore and nearly not nearly as tired. One reason that they had been hiding behind the archway, spying on Genghis and the Baudelaire's instead of running around and around that luminous circle. The other reason that the quagmires had done their spying shifts after the Baudelaire's had run their first few laps and there was no sign of them stopping. The two triplets had decided to alternate between Duncan sleeping and Isadora spying. The Duncan spying and Isadora sleeping. Then um, the two two siblings promised each other that they would wake up the sleeping they would wake up the sleeping one if the spying one noticed anything unusual. I had the last shift, Duncan explained, so my sister didn't see all of the end of sore, but it didn't matter. All that happened was that Coach Genghis had you stop running laps and let you go to bed. I thought that he might insist on you and your uh, insist on getting your fortune before you could stop running. 
And I thought that the luminous circle would serve as a landing strip, Isadora said, for a helicopter piloted by one of those assistants to swoop down and take you away. The only thing I couldn't figure out was why you had to run all those laps before the helicopter showed up. But the helicopter didn't show up, Klaus said, taking a sip of water, wincing. Nothing showed up. Maybe the pilot got lost, Isadora said. Or maybe Coach Gingus became tired as you did and forgot to ask for your fortune, Duncan said. Violet shook her sore head. He would have never gotten too tired to get our fortune, she said. He's up to something. That much is for sure. But we just can't figure out what it is. Of course you can't figure it out, Duncan said. You're exhausted. I'm glad Isadora and I thought of spying shifts. We're going to be using all of our spare time to investigate. We'll go through all of our notes and do some more research in the library. There might be something that can help us figure this out. I'll do research too, Klaus said, yawning. I'm quite good at it. I know that you are, Isadora said, smiling. But not today, Klaus. We'll work on the uncovering Gingas, uncovering the Gingas's plan, and you three can catch up on your sleep. You're too tired to do much good in the library or anywhere else. Violet and Klaus looked at each other's tired faces and then down at their baby sister and saw that the quagmire triplets were right. Violet had Violet had been so tired that she had only taken a few notes on Mr. Mora's painfully dull story. Klaus had been so tired that he had incorrectly measured all of Miss Bass's objects, and although Sunny had not reported that she had done what she had done that morning in Nero's office, she couldn't have been a very good administrative assistant because she had fallen asleep right there in the cafeteria, her little head on salad, as if it were a soft pillow instead of leaves of lettuce, sliced tomato, gobs of creamy honey mustard dressing, ew, and crispy croutons, which are small toasted pieces of bread that give your salad some extra crunch. Violet gently gently lifted her sister's head off of the salad, and she took a few croutons out of her hair. Sunny winced and made a faint, miserable noise and went back to sleep in Violet's lap. Perhaps you're right, Isadora, Violet said. We'll stumble through some afternoon the um, we'll stumble through the afternoon somehow and get a good night's sleep tonight, and if we're lucky, Vice Principal Nero will play something quiet at tonight's concert and we can sleep through that as well. You can see with that last sentence just how tired Violet really was because if we're lucky is not a phrase that either of her siblings use very often. Why do you think that is? Hmm. That they don't say that they're lucky. Because they're usually lucky. They're usually lucky? I mean, what? Wait, what? I'm tired. Hold on, what? <laughs> they're usually lucky? No. Yeah. <laughs> I said, why would they, why would it be weird for them to say if we're lucky? Because they're never lucky. Are you tight, honey? Honey, you tight, tight, honey. Come to bed. Okay, okay, mom. I know, you're just a little tired. The reason, of course, is quite clear. The Baudelaire orphans were not... What were they not? What? Oh, my goodness. I know, I'm joking, Lucky. Okay, I was like, you really do need a napperooner. Smart, yes. Charming, yes. Able to survive austere situations, yes. But the children were not lucky, and so wouldn't the phrase "if we're lucky" any more, any more than they would use the phrase "if we're stalks of celery." 
because neither phrase were appropriate. If the Baudelaire orphans had been stalks of celery, they would not have been small children in great distress. And if they had been lucky, Carmelita spats would not have approached their table at this particular moment and delivered oh, another, another unfortunate message. Hello, you cake sniffers. Are you going to tell me what cake sniffers means? I don't know what it means. Oh, you don't remember? No, it doesn't say what it means. Oh. You'll, but you'll see why she says that, because okay. there's a reason. If you want, you can pause it and I'll tell you. No, no, no. I want, to, I want it to be a good surprise. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can tell me after this. I'll finish the chapter. Hello, you cake sniffers, she said. Although, judging from the baby brat, you're more likely, more like salad sniffers. I have another message for you from Coach Genghis. I get to be his special messenger because I'm the cutest, prettiest, nicest little girl in the whole school. If you're really the nicest person in the whole school, school, Isadora said, you wouldn't make fun of a sleeping infant. But never mind. What's the message? Well, it's actually the same as last time, Carmelita said. But I'll repeat it in case you're too stupid to remember. You three Baudelaire orphans are to report to the front lawn tonight immediately after dinner. What? Klaus said. Are you deaf as well, kinks, cake, as well as cake sniffy? Carmelita asked. Yes, yes, Klaus heard you, Isadora said. He didn't mean that kind of what. We have to receive the message, Carmelita. Now please go. We have received the message, Carmelita. Now please go away. That's two tips you owe me, Carmelita said as she flounced off. I can't believe it, Violet said. Not No more laps. My legs are almost too sore to walk. Let me run alone. Oh, let alone, wait, let alone, oh, I'm too sore to walk, let alone run. Carmelita didn't say anything about laps, Duncan pointed out. Maybe Coach Genghis is putting his real plan into action tonight. In any case, we'll sneak you out of the recital again tonight and keep an eye on you. In shifts, Isadora, Isadora said, nodding in agreement, and I'll bet we have a clear picture by his plan by then. We have the rest of the day to do research, Isadora paused, and flipped open her back black notebook to the right page, and she read, Don't worry, Baudelaire's. Don't feel disgrace. The quagmire triplets are on the case. Thank you, Klaus said, giving Isadora a smile of appreciation. My sisters and I are thankful for all of your help, and we're going to put our minds to the problem, even though we're too exhausted to do research. If we're lucky, all of us will go together and we can defeat Coach Genghis. There was that phrase again, if we're lucky, coming out of the mouth of the Baudelaire. Once again, it felt like as inappropriate as if we're, if we're stalks of celery. The only difference was that the Baudelaire orphans did not wish they could be stalks of celery. While it is true that if they were stalks of celery, they would not be orphans because celery is a plant and so it cannot really be said to have parents. Violet, Klaus, and Sunny did not wish to be the stringy, low-calorie vegetable. Unfortunate things can happen to celery just as easy as they can happen to children. Celery can be sliced into small pieces and dipped into clam dip for fancy parties. It can also be coated in peanut butter and served as a snack. It can merely sit in a field and rot away if the nearby celery farmers are lazy or on vacation. All of these terrible things can happen to celery, and the orphans knew it. So, if you were to ask the Baudelaire's if they wanted stalks of celery, they would say, of course not, but they wanted to be lucky. The Baudelaire's did not necessarily want to be extremely lucky, like someone who finds a treasure map, or someone who wins a lifetime supply of ice cream in a contest, or like the man at, and not alas me, 
who was lucky enough to marry my beloved Beatrice and live with her in happiness over the course of her short life. But the Baudelaire's wanted to be lucky enough. They wanted to be lucky enough to figure out how to escape Go- Coach Genghis's clutches. And it seemed that being lucky would be their only chance. Violet was too tired to invent anything. <clears throat> And Klaus was too tired to read anything. And Sunny, still asleep in Violet's lap, was too tired to bite anything. And it seemed that even with the diligence of the quagmire triplets, the word diligence here means ability to take good notes in dark green pitch black notebooks, they needed to be lucky if they wanted to stay alive. The Baudelaire's huddled together as if the cafeteria were extremely cold, wincing in soreness and worry. It seemed to be the Baudelaire orphans that would that they wanted to be lucky more than they had in their entire lives. Poor little Baudelaire's, huh? Aww. I'm going to pause this, and Peyton's going to tell me the secret, so I'll know the end of this. <laughs> right, Peyton? Mm-hmm. Well, not the end. I just know what, why they call her them cake sniffers. Okay, bye.